With Hashem's assistance, we are learning Baba Metziah Daf Lamed, page 30. We begin on the top line. We said in the Mishnah that if somebody finds a ksus, a garment, so he's allowed to spread it out in order that it not decay. However, he's not allowed to do it to show off this beautiful thing that he's found, to impress his guests perhaps. The Gemara asks a question. What's going to be if you want to do it for the purpose of the garment and you also want to impress your friends? If you have a dual purpose, is that permitted or not? Tashima, we bring a proof. It says in the Mishnah that you can spread it out for its purposes. Litzarcha in, the indication is it's only if you're doing it exclusively for the purposes of the garment. But if it will be done for the purposes of the garment and also to impress your friends, no, that's not permitted. But what does it say at the end? It's not permitted to do it for your own honor. What's the indication? It's only if you're doing it exclusively for your own honor to impress your friends. But if you're doing it for a dual purpose, both for the purposes of the garment itself and for your own purposes to show it off, then that's okay. So, so clearly from the mission we can't prove anything. Toshima. The Gemara tries to bring a different proof. If someone has an object that he's found, some kind of garment, so he shouldn't place it on a bed and not on a hook, for his own purposes, meaning in order for him to get honor from it. But it's permitted to place it on a bed or a hook in order for it not to decay, in order for it to have that air that it needs. If he has guests, so it's not permitted to place it on a bed, nor on a hook, even if it's for his own purposes, or even if it's for the purposes of the garment itself. Either way, since, as Rashi explains, at this point of the Gemara, we think that the reason is that since you're doing it for your own honor, because of those orchim, those guests, therefore it's not permitted. So we see a proof that if you're doing it both for the purposes of the item itself, and for the purposes of one's own honor, it's not permitted. The Gemara says, no, no proof. Shani Hasam, it's different over there. Even though ordinarily it could be true that you could do it for both purposes, but over there you're not allowed to place it outside. Why? The makli kalila. It's going to get burnt, so to speak. It's going to get ruined. Why? Either because of an ayin hara, an evil eye, or because they're going to try to steal it, those orchim, those guests. And the concept of the evil eye is that when a person looks at something and says, hey, that guy has something and he's jealous of it, so what happens is in heaven, so they judge a person whether or not he actually deserves that thing. Because if he's placing it out in the open and he's not being tsanoi, he's not being modest about his possessions, so then they judge about that in heaven, whether or not this person deserves it. And therefore, that's the concept of Ayin Hora, when someone has an evil eye and he looks at something with jealousy, so it opens up the possibility for the courts in heaven to judge whether or not the person who owns this really deserves to keep it. Tashima. Glimar tries to bring another proof. In regards to an Egla Arufa, so we have the following case. An Egla Arufa is a case where, if let's say we have a dead body, a human body that was found within a certain distance of a city. So the sages have to go out, says the Torah. They have to go out and they have to take an Egla, a calf, and they have to go next to a Nachal, a river. They have to smash the skull of the calf, and that's called an Egla Arufa, a smashed calf. And the concept is, because there's a certain amount of responsibility that's upon the sages of the city, because they should have made sure that a person doesn't go hungry or doesn't leave the city without any accompaniment, and therefore they show their responsibility by smashing the skull of this animal, because really it should be them.
So now when they choose a calf, they're not allowed to use any kind of calf that had been used for work. Now, let's say, let's say it had been placed into a yoke with a number of other animals, and even though it wasn't his intention, it ended up preparing the ground for seeding. It's still kosher, it's permitted to use that animal, since it wasn't the intent that it be used for any work. But let's say he placed it in there. It was a calf, and he intended that it should nurse from its mother, and he also intended that it should indeed be involved in preparing the ground for seeding. So, in such a case, it's not going to be permitted to use that animal for an egla arufa, this special ceremony, since it had been placed in there intentionally in order to do work. Now the Gemara says, in this case, he placed it inside the yoke for its own purposes, in order that it nurse, and also it was placed in there for the purposes of the one who wanted the work done. What do we see? That even though you did it for both purposes, it's considered, we only focus in on the fact that you used it for the purpose which was forbidden. So that should be a proof that just like over there, that's true, over here as well, if you're placing the ksus, the garment out for its own purposes, and also for your purposes, we would focus on the fact that you're doing it for something which is your own purposes, and that would be forbidden. The Gemara says there's no proof. Shani Hasim, it's different over there, Damarkot, because the verse says, Asher loy ubad bo. It can't have been used for work. Mikol Makkah. This teaches you that no matter what, if it was used for work, even if there was also an intention to put it there for the purposes of the animal itself, it's still going to be forbidden to use that for an egla arufa. Whereas over here, there's no such verse, and therefore, as long as you're doing it for the purposes of the lost object itself, that's fine, even if you do it for your own purposes as well. Yihach Demar says, if that's so, Afilu Rishanami. How do you explain the first case? In the first case of Egla Arufa, we said that if it was placed there and there was no intention, so even though there was work that was done, it's fine, it's okay, it's kosher. How do you explain that? So Mark explains as follows. This is comparable to the following Mishnah, which was stated in regards to the Para Aduma, the special red heifer that was used in order to purify those who had become tummy mace, who become impure, defiled by touching the dead. So over there as well, in regards to a red heifer, so it's forbidden to use it for any work. If it's used for work, so it can't be used to, to purify people who have become defiled. So the Mishnah says as follows. So if, let's say, a bird landed on its back, so even though it's doing an act of carrying, it's still okay, it's still fine to be used for the para aduma, for the red heifer. But if let's say a male animal climbed onto this female animal, this red heifer, and it wanted to mate with it, so now it's considered that it's carrying something, and it's not going to be considered kosher anymore. It won't be able to be used as the red heifer to purify people who are tummy mace, who have become defiled. My timer. So what's the reason why it works this way? How do we understand this? If it's being done, if a bird lands on its back, it's kosher. Why? Because you don't want the bird on its back. So even though it's carrying something, it's okay. But if an animal climbs up on top of it to mate with it, so then that's something which you do want. And therefore, it's, even though it happened on its own, it's not going to be kosher. It's not going to be okay for it to be used for a red heifer. So what's the understanding of this? It's like Rav Papa says. The Amar of Papa, Rav Papa says as follows. And now we need to understand, the verse says that it can't have been used for work. It says, Asher le'ubad ba. It wasn't worked with. So, Rapapa says like this, Iksiv Ubad, Vikarnian Ubad. The word Ubad means it was worked. It doesn't mean that he, per se, went and actively worked it, but it means that it had been used for work. Now, if it had written it Ubad, which means it was worked, and we would read it Ubad with a Vav that it was worked, have, I mean, I would say, even if it happened on its own, even if I wasn't happy with it, right? Even if a bird flew onto its back and it's doing an act of work, which I'm not interested in, nevertheless, it would be forbidden to use it subsequently for the red heifer. Viksiv, 
Ariv, Ovad, Vikarinan, Ovad. And if it was written as, if it shall work, as opposed to if the work was done with it, if it shall work, if that's how it was written and that's how it was read, Hava So I would think that until he actively himself makes it work, only then will it be forbidden. Hashdiksiv Ovad. Now, if we look how it's written in the Torah, it says Ovad. There's no Vav in there, which means that it shall be worked. Vikarinan, Ubad. But the way that we read it, the Cree is, it shall be worked, meaning it happens on its own. So, so this is teaching us that we need to have both factors. Just like when you actually actively go and make it work, so that's something that you want it to do. So to in a case where it happens on its own that it gets worked, it's only possible for it to be considered forbidden, and you can't use it subsequently, so it's only going to be in a case where you're interested in that type of work. For instance, where an animal climbs up on its back and mates with it, that's something that you'd be interested in. That's going to forbid it for subsequent use. However, if it's something that you're not interested in, so then it's not going to be similar to a case where you actively went and made it work, and therefore it's going to be permitted to be used subsequently for the red heifer. And just like this is true in regards to the red heifer, it's also true in regards to the egla arufa, that special animal, a calf that was taken and they would smash its head. The Gemara continues, We said in the Mishnah that if you find silver vessels or bronze vessels, you use them, etc. We learned that If you find wooden vessels, you should use them in order that they don't rot. If you find a bronze vessel, you can use them for hot foods. But you shouldn't place it onto the fire because it will wear it out. Silver vessels, you're allowed to use them for cold foods but not for hot foods because it blackens the silver vessel. Magrivus vikardumois, spades and hatchets, you can use them on something which is soft, but not something hard. Because it will make it get lessened, it will ruin it. Golden vessels and glass vessels, you shouldn't touch them until Elijah the prophet comes. Just like we said in regards to a lost object that was found, which was like this, it will be the same thing if somebody gives you this type of object to watch. What's going on? Why would you even touch something that doesn't belong to you if he gave it to you to watch? Let the guy who owns it come if he wants to make sure it doesn't get worn out. We're talking about a case where somebody gave you something, but he went off to a faraway land, and therefore, you're going to have to take responsibility to take it out once in a while to make sure it doesn't get ruined. If let's say a person finds something which is beneath his dignity for him to pick it up, for example, a sack or a box, and he's a very important person, he's a dignitary, so he shouldn't pick it up. How do we know this idea? The we have a The verse says, you shall turn away. So it's saying that you shouldn't turn away, but the way it reads simply is, you shall turn away. It's coming to teach you that there are times where you do turn away and times where you don't turn away. Okay, so how does this work? Let's say it was a priest. He's a Kohen, so Kohanim are forbidden for them to become Tamimes and not to contaminate themselves to the dead. So being that this lost object is inside of a cemetery, so he doesn't go and get it. Let's say it was an elderly person or a sage, and it wasn't appropriate for his honor to pick it up. Or if what he stands to lose, the value of what he stands to lose, because he's in the middle of working, is going to be greater than the value of the object that he's picking up. So in all these cases, you do not pick it up. That's what the verse says, you shall turn away from them. 
So the Gemara says, hold on a second. Which case do we need the verse for? If it's for the case of the priest, and the lost object is in the cemetery, it's obvious you don't pick it up. The commandment to pick it up is only a positive commandment. And this said he's not permitted to go inside of a cemetery to become contaminated. That's a prohibition, a negative commandment, and a positive commandment. And if you have one positive commandment, it doesn't have the ability to push away a negative commandment along with a positive commandment. Additionally, we don't push away if there's a prohibition that doesn't get pushed away because of something which is monetary. So rather, perhaps it's coming to teach us the concept that if the value of what he's going to save is less than the value of what the guy who's going to save it is going to be making since he's in the middle of working, so then you don't save it. So that's what the verse is coming to teach us. We actually learn it out from a different place from what Rav Yehuda says in the name of Rav. As follows, the Rav Yehuda he said, FS, the verse is less, the verse is telling us that we shouldn't cause ourselves to become poor. So what does this teach us? That if someone's going to lose something, he's going to lose money by trying to save someone else's lost object, so obviously it's more important that you save your own loss before you save someone else's loss. So that can't be what we need the verse for. Rather, it's coming for a person who's a sage, and it's beneath his dignity for him to pick up this object. Omar Rabbi, Rabbi says, Hechisha chayibba. If let's say a person, it's beneath his dignity to pick up a lost object. Nevertheless, if he touches it, or if he moves it a little bit, so it's too late, he's going to have to pick it up and complete returning that object. Abai have a Yosef come the Rabbi. One time, Abai was sitting in front of Rabbi, Chazalhanach izi dekaimu. He saw that there were these goats that were standing there. Shakal kala He took a piece of dirt and he threw it at them. Omar lay, so Rabbi says to me, Chayibbahu. Now that you've made them move, so now you have an obligation to return them to their proper owner, Kumaj. Get up and return them. I'll ask you a question. Let's say this is an object that if he was in the field and no one was around, so it's not beneath his dignity to pick it up since no one's watching him. But if he would carry it into the city, he'd be embarrassed. So and he found it in the in the field. Mahu, what's gonna be the halacha? Will he have to pick it up or not? Do we say we need it to be a proper returning? He came to love and since he wouldn't return it in the city, why? Because he'd be embarrassed to carry it there. Therefore, there's no obligation, even though right now he's in a place where he's not embarrassed to carry it. Or do we say Nevertheless, in the field there will be an obligation because since you would pick it up there, it's not embarrassing for you there. Therefore, you would have to pick it up. And once you already have an obligation to pick it up in the field, have an obligation to return it in the city, even though he's embarrassed. Take it, we don't have an answer. Amar Rabbi, Rabbi says as follows, Anything that he himself would pick up for his own sake, so he also has an obligation, if it's not beneath his dignity to pick it up for himself, to pick it up for someone else as well. And if let's say there's something, he would get involved in adjusting the load on his animal, it's not beneath his dignity, so if he sees his friend who needs help adjusting the load on his animal, he also has, or adjusting the load on his back, so he also has an obligation to do that as well. One time Rabbi Shmuel Rabbi Yossi was a sage, he was walking along on the path. A certain person met him. The guy was carrying a bundle of sticks. He put them down and he was trying to readjust the weight on his back. So he says to Rabbi Shmuel Rabbi the sage, he says to him, help me out, put this back on my back. So Rabbi Shmuel Rabbi he didn't want to help him out, he didn't want to put it back on his back, he didn't feel that it was appropriate for his honor. So he had a different idea. He says to him, how much are they worth? So he responded and said, half a zuz. So Rabbi Shmuel 
he gives him a half as he says, here, now you have your money, now you can leave it on the floor. Va'afgra. And then Rishmab Rubiesi, he made it ownerless so anyone could come along and take it. Hadar Zachabuhu. So the guy who had just been trying to put it back on his back, so he took it out of ownerless, and again, he wanted Rishmab Rubiesi to help him out. Hadar Yavale Palgadizuza. Again, Rishmab Rubiesi gave him another half as Zuz, Va'afgra, and he made it ownerless. Chazi, the Havakaboy, the Mahadal Lemiskibe. So then he saw that this guy was again trying to get it again out of ownerlessness. Amarlay. So Rishmab Rubiesi says to him, I'm making it ownerless to everyone else except for you. As far as you're concerned, I still own it. So Gemara says, hold on a second. Is it possible to make something ownerless only in regards to the entire world, but not in regards to one person? But tonight we have a Mishnah that says as follows. Beishamai says that if you want to make something ownerless only to poor people, you have the ability to do that. The only way it's considered ownerless if it's completely ownerless and anyone can come and take it, whether they're poor or they're rich, just like Shemitah. The concept of Shemitah is that a piece of land is ownerless, anyone can come and take it. So we see that Beis Hillel says, and we always hold like Beis Hillel, the law is always like Beis Hillel, that it's not considered ownerless until it's completely ownerless. So what was Yerushmah Rebbeisi doing? Really, Yerushmah Rebbeisi was making it completely ownerless to everyone. And Yerushmah Rebbeisi was just saying this, but it wasn't really true. He was just trying to get the guy not to be so involved in carrying this object. So Gemara says, hold on a second. Yerushmah Rebbeisi, he was a sage, so it was beneath his dignity to do this. Why did he even have to try to buy it to do this whole trick. So the more answers, Bishmah Rabbi was doing something which is beyond the letter of the law. The turn of Yosef, Rabbi Yosef learned the following Brisa. The verse says, You shall make it known to them, This is referring to the obligation on a parent to teach their child to have a parnasa or livelihood. You shall teach them what? The path. This is referring to the fact that we need to teach our children to do kindness. That they should go in. This is a reference to the fact that there's an obligation to visit the sick. Ba in it, Zukvura. This is teaching us there's an obligation to bury the dead. Veshamase and the actions, what this is referring to? Zehadin. This is teaching us that we should do judgment. We should pursue justice. Asher Yasun, that shall be done. Zulifnimishwasadin. This is teaching us that sometimes it's important and necessary to go beyond the letter of the law. And thus, even though Rabbi Shemad Riesi technically did not have an obligation to help this guy out to fix this difficult load that was on his back, nevertheless, he wanted to buy it from him so he wouldn't have to carry it, and he was going beyond the letter of the law. Amar we said, It says that you shall go in this path. This is reference to the fact that we're supposed to visit the sick. Gemara says, it's the same thing as doing kindness. What's the difference? Why does the Torah single this out? Where answered, You know, we need it for the following case. It's a novelty in the following case, somebody who has the same mazel, he's born in the same star. Mar said, If somebody is in the same mazel, if he's born in the same star, and he comes to visit the sick person, so what happens is he actually takes one-sixtieth of the sickness along with him. So even though he's going to get a little bit of that sickness, nevertheless, it's still necessary for him to go and to visit the sick. We said that one of the things the verse is teaching us is that there's an obligation to bury the dead. This is also a case of doing kindness. You know what teaching us? It's talking about a sage who is beneath his dignity to do this. Nevertheless, there's an obligation for him to do so. We said that when the verse says that they shall do, it's teaching us that we have to go beyond the letter of the law. The reason that Jerusalem was destroyed was because they judged 
judged judgments of the Torah. The Gemara says, hold on a second. What does he mean? What would he prefer? That we judge based on secular law? We're going to judge based on the Torah law. We're in Jerusalem. What else are we going to judge based on? What's the problem? So rather say, The problem was that they just did exactly the strict justice. And they didn't go beyond the letter of the law. That was the reason why Jerusalem was destroyed. Now this is an unbelievable idea, because what we see here is that the Torah requires us, the Torah says, even though these are the laws, and this is precisely what is supposed to be done, nevertheless, a person is supposed to use his own conscience, his own sensitivity, to be able to go beyond the letter of the law, to do something even greater, to be on a higher level. We begin the Mishnah. What's called a lost object or lost animal? If let's say you find a donkey or a cow which is grazing on the path, that's not called a lost animal. If you find a donkey and its saddle is upside down, let's say you find a cow and it's running between the vineyards, that's called a lost animal. If let's say you returned it and ran away again, you returned it and ran away again, even four or five times, you have to return it every single time. Says, you will return, you will return. Why does it say doubly? It's coming to teach you that you have to constantly keep returning it if it's necessary. Let's say the guy who was trying to return it, he would have made a dollar. So so he can't claim that dollar from the person who he's returning it to. So all he gets is a quarter. Whatever usually a person gets paid to spend that amount of time doing regular a regular day job, as opposed to this guy who is a high quality worker, he's a skilled knowledge worker. Nevertheless, he doesn't get his full paycheck it's too bad. And Rashi explains because the person who it was returned to can say to the guy, listen, if you would have been working in your regular job, so you would have had to expend a tremendous amount of effort. To return my animal, it didn't require a tremendous amount of effort, so I'm not going to have to pay you as much. In Yesham Bestin, if let's say the person who found an object, so if there's a court of three people who are over there, he can make a condition in front of them and say, listen, I don't want to return it because the amount of money that I'm going to get paid for my job is going to be worth more. So he can make a condition in front of them that if he returns it, that he's going to get the full amount. And that works. In Bestin, but if there's no court, there, there's no three people there to, to make this claim in front of, to make this condition. He has no one to make this condition in front of, and therefore, he doesn't have to return the object, but rather, he continues with his work. We begin the Gemara. All these cases are not considered Aveda. We mentioned so many cases before now. What, those aren't called lost objects until now? So Yehuda explains like this. This is what it means. What's the general principle for something which is a lost object or a lost animal that there's going to be an obligation to return it? If you find a donkey or a cow which is grazing on the path, that's not considered a lost object. There's no obligation to return it. But if you have a donkey and its saddle is upside down, part of it ruts in a crumim, or a cow and it's running between the vineyards, that's considered a lost object and you're going to have an obligation to return it. So the Gemara asks, let's say you see it and it's grazing there for a few days. What, you're never going to have to return it? You have to assume that the guy, you know, he's taking it out and putting it back in? How could it be? Up to three days, if you see it there, you don't have to return it. But more than that, you will. Hey, Chidami, what's the case? If we're talking about where you saw it there at night, so even if you saw it there for one hour or one moment, you're still going to have to return it because obviously people don't leave their animals out at night. If we're talking about during the day, if you only see it there during the day, so obviously you're not going to have to return it either because obviously he's taking it out in the day and he's returning it at night. So the Gemara answers, No, we need it for the following case. He would see it early in the morning before sunrise and in the evening so if this happened for three days we could say that it just happened that it came out on its own but if it was out there for longer than three days it's for sure that it was lost and it didn't just happen that it took it out for three days 
price which is similar to this idea. What's a talus of a card? Let's say somebody finds a talus, a garment, and a hatchet, bisratia, in a public place, under the top of Lamed Aleph, of page 31a, upar recipe in a kramim, or a cow, which is running between the vineyards, harizu aveda, you can assume that this is a lost object or a lost animal. Talus bitzat gedder, if you find a garment on the side of a fence, kardam bitzat gedder, or a hatchet on the side of a fence, upar arayabin a kramim, and a cow, which is grazing, not running, between the vineyards, into aveda, that's not considered a lost object. But if you see it there for three days in a row, then that indeed is going to be considered a lost object or a lost animal. Let's say you see water that's coming, there's a deluge that's coming, and it's going to destroy someone's property. There's an obligation on the person who sees this to try to save the property. And it comes under the category of Hashem Saveda returning a lost object, because there's something that's about to be lost, which is his property. The verse says you shall return all of the lost objects of your friends. Rabbi says this comes to include, this verse is actually coming to say that even something which is a piece of land that's about to get lost, there's also an obligation to return it. So Rav Hananya says to Rav, the Bryce that we just quoted is actually a proof to you. If a person sees water that's coming to deluge a piece of property, so a person should protect it and therefore he's returning it. So he says to him, if you're going to try to bring the proof, don't bring the proof from there. Because I can tell you, what's the case over there? Where there are sheaves on the property, and therefore the sheaves themselves are going to get lost, and that's what he's protecting. So the Gemara challenges. If the case indeed is talking about where there are sheaves on that property, what's the chiddush? What's the novelty? Of course there's an obligation to protect it so it shouldn't get ruined. But if we're talking about the piece of property itself, that's a tremendous novelty. The Gemara says, No, we do need it. You could have sheaves that still require the ground. They're still attached to the ground. That you might have thought that since they still require the yinika, the sustenance from the ground, so kigufa da damyon, therefore they're considered like the land itself, and therefore there wouldn't be an obligation to save them if you don't have an obligation to save the land. Kamash malon, that could be what it's coming to teach us. And therefore Rava, when he says his statement, he's saying a chedesh, a novelty of his own, which we don't see a proof from it from this particular b'risa.